Hey everybody, this is Troy, one of the pastors at First Church of the Nazarene. Thank you for listening to the podcast. It is a glimpse into the life of our church. We are ordinary people being transformed into passionate followers of Jesus. And we are committed to join God in the remaking of all things. I pray that this sermon is a blessing and helps you join God today. If we can serve you in any way, we would love to. Please get a hold of us at lafayettenaz.org. Have a great day. So this is the third week of a sermon series that we've called How Things Grow. And in this sermon series, what we're doing is we're taking a look at the way that the Bible uses images from nature to give us an insight into God's heart and into the kingdom of God. And so two weeks ago, we talked about the power of soil. Last week, we talked about the power of pruning. And today, we're going to talk about the harvest. So if you would, open your Bibles if you brought them with you or pull up the app on your phone. We're going to read just two short verses of Scripture in John chapter 4. So John chapter 4, two short but really profound verses of Scripture, beginning with John chapter 4, verse 34. And these are the words of Jesus. Jesus said to them, them is the disciples. Jesus said to the disciples, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say four months more, then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. This is God's word for us this morning. Now, I think one of the more difficult parts about preaching, one of the more difficult things, is that we understand certain things at a conceptual level, but we don't understand them very much on a practical level. So we can, we can like get the concepts. We understand the concepts. But it's hard for us to take the concepts and translate that into any sort of life application or anything that has to do with any practical stuff here on earth. And so as a result, sometimes our spirituality, this is what can happen to us, our spirituality can get stuck in our head. And we end up feeling really good for 25 or 30 minutes while we hear a sermon preached to us, but we never, we never get any help. We never get changed. We never, there's never any transformation. And, and that would feel like a failure for me. It would feel like a failure for me if, if for 25 or 30 minutes y'all felt really good while you were here because that's not my job. My job isn't to help you feel good. My job is to help preach the Word of God in such a way that it changes you. And it transforms you. And I take that job seriously. But it's a challenge. It's a challenge because, you know, take a verse like we just read. And I'm specifically thinking of John chapter 4, verse 35. That verse that Jesus is quoting, or he, that verse he's talking about, that's a proverb. He's speaking in a proverb. It's an ancient 
proverb. It's a Middle Eastern proverb. It's a farming proverb. It's not something that we talk about a lot. He says to the disciples, Jesus says, don't you all have a saying that you just throw around? And the saying goes like this. It's four months until harvest. Don't y'all have that saying? And that saying in Jesus's world made a lot of sense, but we don't have that saying. My guess is that most of you don't go around in your daily life and talk using that kind of language. You don't say to someone when they say something to you, you don't say back, hey, four months, four months until the harvest. It's not a part of our modern vernacular, and that's why context is so important. Context is so important. It's not just important with regards to this, it's important for our whole life. Context is how you develop compassion for someone, because you're not them. And if you were them and in the situation that they are in, you might not be doing as well as they are in that circumstance and situation. So every, listen, every concept needs a context. Every concept needs a context. Context is what brings clarity in our life. So someone texts you and you get all offended but then you learn that they just had one of the worst days of their life. And they, it wasn't that they were really trying to be short with you. It's just that the world actually doesn't revolve around you. So it turns out that you were mad at them for nothing. But you wouldn't have known that unless you knew the context. Every concept needs a context. Or maybe at one point in time in your life you thought a certain way about people who were differently abled. Or people who had a different kind of skin color than you. But then you had a family member who had a disability. Or a family member who had a different skin color. And now you have to take a concept in your mind which is all people are created equal. And work that into the reality, the context of your life. Every concept needs a context. And concepts without context, they don't really mean much. They're not worth much. So my point of saying all of that is this. Every concept needs a context. And when we talk today, as Jesus did, about this word harvest, we're usually talking about a concept. Because the reality... The practicality, the real life context in which we say harvest is way different than the concept that we have in our mind. So in this passage, Jesus says to these people, hey, don't you all have a saying? And he quotes back to them, they're saying, it's four months until harvest. And when we read that, in fact, when I hear that, when I hear the word harvest, it's like a smile just comes up over my face naturally. I get really happy. I love harvest. Harvest time in the Midwest is the best time. It's what we all live for. I love harvest. I love to see the machines out in the fields, working the fields. Usually it's not 
like hell's porch level of hot in, in, in that when harvest time is happening. It's, it's a great time of the year. I, I love everything about it. But not just that. When I think about harvest and I spiritualize it and I think about harvest in my life, I get even happier. Because harvest is the season where we reap the reward. It's where we reap the reward. It's the payoff. It means God's about to do something. So when I hear harvest, what I hear is, I've already worked hard. I've plowed. I've planted. I've watered. I've waited. I've cried. I was patient. I wasn't weary in well-doing, and now I get to reap all that I sowed. So now it's harvest time, and harvest time means it's time to sit back and kick my feet up and enjoy the harvest. Harvest is when the walls come falling down. It's breakthrough in your life. Harvest means God is about to take care of us. He's going to hook us up. That's our concept. But like I said, every concept needs a context. And if you know the context of farming and not just the concept, you know that's not how harvest works. I mean, maybe we've watered down the context because here's here's the lesson of the harvest. That corn... It's not going to pick itself. It's not going to pick itself. I want us this morning to open our hearts up to the reality of God's word by adding some context to our concept of harvest. Have you ever seen or met or known a farmer during harvest time? What are they doing? Are they sleeping in? Binging Netflix? Spending long lunches at the town diner? Arguing about the commodities markets or tariffs or case versus deer or which seed is better. Is that what farmers are doing during harvest time? No. Farmers know the the principle of harvest. They know that that corn is not going to pick itself. And so harvest isn't the easiest part. Harvest is the hardest part. It's the hardest part. It's the time of the year where they get up the earliest. It's the season when they go to bed the latest. Harvest is when you work the most hours. Harvest is when the most is on the line. It's when you maximize every minute of every day to get out in the fields as long as you possibly can so you can go get that crop. Harvest is when farmers miss the most meals. It's when they sacrifice the most and don't see their kids. Because they know the corn is not going to pick itself. They've got to go get it. You know, we think harvest, we think drive-through window. We think, pull up the app on my phone, order it, and go and pick it up. But that's not harvest. That's the concept we have in our mind. The reality is it's work. It's labor. It's effort. Check this out. It's not just receiving a reward. 
It's reaping a reward. And to reap means work. And sometimes I feel like we've fallen in love with the concept of harvest season because in our minds, it means sit back and receive that blessing. But the context of harvest means you've got to go out and get it. You've got to go get it. Because you know what breaks the heart of a farmer the most? You know what breaks the heart of a farmer the most? It's when way back in April and May, they planted that seed. And then they fertilized. And they applied herbicide. And then they refreshed their weather app again and again and again, waiting for rain. And now it's September. And it's time to go get it. And what guts them is, for whatever the reason, maybe it's the weather and it just got too wet. Or maybe it's that they got sick and they missed the window and they ran out of time. Or maybe they had equipment failure. Whatever the reason, the thing that guts a farmer the most is when it's time to go out and get it. And they don't. Or they can't. And the fruit of all of their labor rots. And this is what's worse. They have to look at it all fall and all winter. And it's a living reminder that they didn't get to go do it. They missed it. And so I want this morning, I want to help you all. I want to help myself. I want to help us get the mentality of a farmer. I want to get the mentality of a farmer in our minds and in our hearts. Because here's the thing, as I look out on your faces this morning, I know some of your stories. And I have the spiritual temperature of our church. I feel like I know it well. And I know some of you have done such good work. You've done really good work, hard work. You've been plowing that ground. And you've been planting seeds in your life. It's work. And it's hard. You've been learning new habits, living into new patterns of behaviors. You've started to pray. You've grabbed that Bible and opened it up. You're learning how to share the resources that you've been blessed with and how to model the generosity of God in your life. You've started to dip your toes in the water of serving other people and living a life and ordering a life not just around yourself, but around others, some of you guys have been doing such good work of sowing. And I want to honor that because it's hard. And I know that difficulty. But here's what I want you to hear. It's only natural for you to think four months until harvest. Four months until harvest. You can sit back now. Relax. You know, it's hot out. Maybe enjoy some time by the pool. Just, just kick back. But then Jesus comes up in our story today and he says, y'all have said four months until the harvest, but look, open your eyes right now. Open your eyes. We don't have time for that. We got to go to work because look at the fields. They're ready and we've got to go get it because we don't want to miss our window. I want you to hear today, all of you who have been doing such good work in your life. It's not time to sit back. It's harvest time. It's harvest time. The fields in your life 
are ripe and ready, and Jesus is inviting you to open your eyes to it. There's more. There's more. It's harvest time. So I want you to think like a farmer in your own life. I want you to be laser-focused, willing to skip the meals, sacrifice whatever it takes in order for you to go out and get the fruit, the crop that God has lovingly prepared for you. I want that for you. But I also want to help you think like a farmer for our church. For our church. I want you to get the mentality of the farmer in your mind for not just you as an individual, but you all as a corporate body. I'd love nothing more than to prime the pump so that we can get laser focused and willing and ready to sacrifice whatever it takes because we trust that Jesus is ripe, that the fields are ripe, that they're ready, but somebody's got to go do the work and get it. Now, as a church, we've done really good work. We've done some good work. I don't know if you guys have had the opportunity to read our annual fiscal report that's on the internet, lafayettenaz.org slash report. If you haven't read it, read it. It just tells the story of some really good work that we've been privileged to do together in the life of our church. We've done the good work. We've, we've planted those seeds. We've created structure for discipleship and for people's lives to be changed, to sustain our mission of transforming ordinary people into passionate followers of Jesus. We've seen baptisms and new Christians. Together, I really do feel like we are intent on living the way of Jesus together. And we've thrown around really good statements like, if you want the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. And we're training for that. We're not just trying to do it. We've done, we've done good work. But we are nowhere close. We are nowhere close to being finished as a church. In fact, I feel like we're just getting started. So I want this morning to help us think like a farmer. And in order to do that, we have to see the fields. Because Jesus is right. They really are right. They're ready. They've been prepared. But the corn isn't going to pick itself. So to the best of our knowledge, within a three-mile radius of this current facility, of our church facility, 37,000, about 37,000 people live within a three-mile radius of our current location. And to the best of our knowledge, of those 37,000 people, about 22,000 people have marked on the most recent census that they have no religious affiliation. Think about that percentage. 37,000 people live within a three-mile radius of this current location. Of those 37,000, to the best of our knowledge, 22,000 of those people have said, I have no religion, no religious affiliation. For those of you who are really good at math, that's 67.3%. So again, I want you to think like a farmer here. We've got to see those fields. We've got to see them. Because that's ripe. That's ripe. And a farmer doesn't see that or hear that number and think, oh man, how sad. How awful. This place is really going to trash. 
A farmer hears that and thinks, what an incredible opportunity. Those fields are ripe, but that corn is not going to pick itself. And so a farmer says, let's go, let's go. I'm not going to let that field rot. I'm not going to miss that opportunity. A farmer says, during harvest time, and it's harvest time, and I'm not not hanging out with the boys at the diner arguing about which kind of radio station and which kind of music I like the best because the farmers knows this. There are fields out there, and I care enough about those fields that I'm going. You can't stop me because I am in on that. You see the fields? Because they're ripe. And they're ready. But that corn is not going to pick itself. It doesn't just magically get harvested. It takes somebody who says, I'm not waiting four months because I believe the words of Jesus that they're ready right now. And I can't believe that all all that God has done at this church. I, I literally cannot believe it. It started way before I got here. God will keep being faithful way after I leave someday. I can't believe all that God has done, but we're not done. We're not done. There's 22,000 people out there that God desperately loves. Church, it's harvest time. It's harvest time. And what do you think those 22,000 people that said, I, I have nothing, no, no religious affiliation. What, what do you think they're looking for? Do you think what they're saying in their mind is, man, I just, I just need the coolest place in town. Or I need the place that has in, like, the world's best kids ministry for my kids. Or, man, I want the place that puts on the best show. I, when I show up, I want it to be just incre- an incredible. I don't think so. I think they're looking for somebody who says, hey, I know another way. I know a better way of life. I've experienced this new kind of life through the power of this person named Jesus, and it's totally changed the direction of my life. And now I'm set free to live. I've I've received love for the first time. I'm starting to give away love for the very first time. I'm walking this new way, and it's changed me from the top of my head to the tips of my toes, from the inside out, God has resurrected me and remade me, and there's this new way of doing things. It's harvest time. It's harvest time. I want us to think like a farmer today. Some of you all entered into this place, and you've done that good work, but I'm telling you, if I can encourage you today in this sermon through the power of God's word, don't sit back Keep going. There's more. There's another level. Keep pressing through. And I want that same kind of determination for us as a church. It's too easy to get distracted. Way too easy to get hung up on the things that Christians argue about. Like we're leaving Google reviews or something about some, some part of a church. That's, that's noise. Turn your attention to the fields, Jesus says. Open your eyes to the fields. They're ripe. They're ready. But that corn is not coming in by itself. It's going to take some farmers who get up early, 
and keep at it all throughout the day. It's going to take some farmers who, when the machinery breaks down, they don't quit. Or when difficulty gets in their way, they just don't abandon it and say, oh, man, I I knew I couldn't do it. No, they wake up the next day and they fix it and they get at it and they keep going. It takes the dedication and the perseverance of someone who loves that field so much they're not going to let it rot because they know they've been given a window and this is their opportunity and they will do anything they can to see it come to fruition. In our office all the time, um, the, the staff used to joke um, about, about, about um, there's a person on our team who was really into ag, and they'd tell stories about their cows, and, and, um, and Ben used to always joke all the time about how he wanted to have staff meeting on the farm someday. <laughs> if y'all can imagine Ben on a farm, that's really, that's a, that's a good thought, that's a good thought. And we, nev- we never took him up on it. We never took him up on it. But if I could, today, in this moment, after church is done, I'd gather us all onto a couple of church buses and bus us out to a farm so that in our minds we could get the understanding of what Jesus is saying and not just hear harvest through the lens of our concept, but the context of reality. This is work. It's good work, the best kind of work, but it's work. And what God wants more than anything else is to see a people, a church, who says, yes, I accept that. And I'm willing to adopt that way of life so that the fields that are ripe can be harvested and brought home. I'm going to invite the team, if they would, to come forward and get ready this morning to help us to respond We're going to come to the table in just a couple of moments. Before we come to the table today, I'm going to ask us if we could to take just a quick prayer of of where we ask God to take some inventory of our heart and of our life. Sometimes um, we hear the way of Jesus and we realize that there's parts of our life that don't match up to that. And so we hear about this invitation to be a farmer who participates with God and is laser-focused on making sure that the fields that God has prepared are brought home. And we realize, man, I haven't been doing that. I've been distracted. Or I've been out of the game. Or I'm unprepared. And when we realize that there's, a, that there's something in our life that doesn't align with the way of Jesus in the world, the biblical concept is we repent. And when we repent, we don't just say, I'm sorry. Repentance is a change of disposition. It literally means to turn around. And so we realize I was heading in an opposite direction but I sense God's call or leading in my life in this way. I want to align my life with that. I need to turn around. To repent is to turn around. And so I'm going to invite us in just a moment to bow our heads. In fact, go ahead and do that right now. And we're just going to invite God's spirit to take inventory of our own.
Rosie.